Hello, I am so excited about today. I'm so excited about my guest. This is gonna be absolutely amazing. I am gonna learn from her. She's actually a dear friend and I cannot wait to have her tell you your, her story and uh, for, for all of us to learn from her. So Jen Couch is the founder and creator of the Sober Sis community and leader in the Sober Curious movement. She lives in Fort Worth, Texas, right here with me, with her husband of 27 years, and has two adult children in their young 20s. So Sober Sis is a like-minded community of women who are renegotiating their relationship with alcohol without labels, shame, judgment, or rules. Jen supports women through practical tools and connection while they break the wine o'clock habit. So she is going to tell us all about this. And what I, what I love about this is that there is no shame involved. There is, it is the most open-minded, welcoming community, and it is incredible. So, Jen, thank you so much for coming and being with me today. Thank you for having me. This is so cool to be in our hometown together. I know. Recording your awesome And we podcast. get to be in person. Most of my interviews are done virtually over Zoom. So oh, for us to be ditto. sitting here in the flesh. This is way more cool. Oh, it's so fun. Yes. So fun. Yes. Okay, Jen. Jen and I, we laugh about this all the time because Jen and I sat in her living room five years ago. We were both starting new businesses completely separate from each other. And I mean, for, I mean, totally different spectrums, but we were both starting on this new journey, you know, each individually. And we were like, oh, so, I mean, you know, tell me about your thing. And then, you know, <laughs> she's like, yeah, tell me about your thing. And, you know, and so we we're just filling each other in. And now fast forward five years and it is just unbelievable to see mm -hmm. the, the different paths that both of our lives have taken. So five years ago, when I was sitting in your living room, tell me what you were starting. Wow. Yeah, it was about five years ago, a little over five years ago. Um, crazy town. You know, let me just let me just do a flashback and go. It wasn't that long ago that I thought, you know what, I'm going to be a new empty nester and I have no idea what I'm going to do. Mm. I was really embarking on a new life stage at that time. Our daughter had just graduated high school and was going to college and it was a major seasonal change for me in my life as a mom, as a person. And I remember um, just asking God, what would you have next for me? And I never dreamed in a million years it would take me back into a place where I had struggled. I think so often we're looking for opportunity um, where it's easy. And I think oftentimes God has us planted in opportunities where it's been difficult. And so all along, uh, what what I do now was being planned, I think, through my whole life to have an opportunity to bring to the forefront a conversation that most people don't want to have or even know how to have mm. because it can be tough. It can be awkward. Yeah. So tell me about your business. This This yeah. now, you know, mogul that you are creating <laughs> that has just taken on a life of its own. So it, it's Sober Sis. And yes. why don't you describe really quickly, describe what it is. And then I want you to kind of tell me and walk me through what inspired the inception of this for you. Yes. So Sober Sis, it's really short for sober-minded sisters. It's women from all over the world. I can honestly say, I really do think we have a woman in all 50 states in the U.S. and probably one on every continent now. And it's women who uh, are all different ages, but we really have one thing in common, and it's that cultural, societal um, draw towards that wine o'clock habit, which has been so heavily promoted and glamorized and really normalized in our society, really over the last 15 or 20 years, the whole big alcohol industry has really looked around and thought, well, what market do we need to pursue more? Who's not drinking enough? And they really looked around and they decided it was women and especially mothers. So the mommy wine juice culture, the yeah. whole wine o'clock memes really started to, to pick up. And so I just want to bring um, awareness into um, the marketing and messaging around alcohol 
so that women feel more empowered to make a choice, whether that's for just health, wellness, mental, emotional um, health. And I think also in our society, alcohol is one of those things that has a lot of myths around it, a lot of misconceptions. And most people, including myself for many, many years, didn't understand any of the science behind it. And that's been what has been most interesting to me is understanding the science and the breakdown. So what I do is I bring women together, like you said in your intro, in a place where there's no shame, no judgment, no rules, and no labels. I feel like labels really keep people stuck Mm. because you can always compare yourself to someone else. And I think it's more about a personal journey, deciding what is working for you instead of what's working for the masses and trying to fit in. Okay, so I remember when we were in your living room and you were, you told me a story, like you walked me down this journey and you, you talked to me about what inspired this because what were you doing in your life? Like, just walk me through that again. Yeah. What was happening in your life that made you do this? What were your, what were you struggling with? Yeah. And, you know, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about my story. I was a little bit later in life drinker. I was not someone that drank really. I mean, I had a few drinks here and there, but socially speaking, it was not really my thing in, you know, high school, college, or even my 20s. It wasn't until my young 30s that I was working in a home-based business and doing a lot of stuff out of the house at night, where I was at home during the day and out at hotel lobbies, happy hours in the evening. And that's when I was a young mom, had been married, I don't know, maybe eight or 10 years, already had kids on the ground. And that's when drinking really entered my lifestyle. And so really throughout my 30s, it was almost like I was catching up to women who had been drinking pretty much since their 20s. And so um, that was great and all, but it kind of didn't fit me. It wasn't my normal M.O., to get home from a long day or transition my day to night by having a glass of wine or pouring a drink. But it's, it's, it shortly became my norm. And so uh, <laughs> fast forward to my um, mothering years of raising teenagers. Mm. So as you know, our daughter is um, awesome. And she was a feisty teenager. <laughs> and if she's oh, ever I'm, listening to this, me, I'd like to dedicate this to you. Oh. Um, <laughs> so her um, ages 13 to 18 was my 40 to 45. And age 40 to 45 for me was a time full of excitement um, and anxiety as well. And so that's when the wine o'clock habit really kicked in for me, which was um, to kind of fill a void sometimes in the evening of Um, sometimes it was even boredom, loneliness, um, like I said, the anxiety of raising those teenagers. And so I just started to feel like I was living a little bit on autopilot. Mm. Like I was doing detox to retox loop. And what I mean by that is during the day, I am like totally mindful gal. I mean, doing all the right things, checking the boxes, I'm going to the hot yoga. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm sweating Which it is out. where you and I really bonded <laughs> yes. because we would go to hot yoga. I mean, and we, I mean, yes. I would go five times a week or something. Oh, yeah, totally. And I would see you in there and, oh, absolutely. You didn't know I was sweating out Pinot Grigio. I did not know that. I did not. <laughs> Indeed, I was. Yeah. And, um, but that was the thing. I was doing my hot yoga, you know, having a great, you know, prayer and meditation time in the morning, all good intentions. Um going and getting all the stuff to juice my kale and make green juice in my kitchen by day. I mean, ultra mindful, responsible, health conscious. But by the time five o'clock rolled around, my willpower and my doing all the right things was starting to kind of wane. And I was like, you know what? I've put in some good time doing all the right things. Now I kind of want a break. I kind of earned it. Some me time. Yeah. Exactly. The whole reward mindset Uh really kicked in. And because I was so, quote, good during the day, and I could check all the boxes. And and it's like the cravings were gone during the day until about that three o'clock hour. It's kind of like the low blood sugar kicks in. Mm -hmm. It's kind of that three o'clock bonk that you hear about people having. And that's when kind of the idea would start to occur. 
maybe a glass of wine tonight would be good. That morning, I was like, no, I had a glass of wine or two or three the night before, and it didn't feel that good in the morning. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't debilitating my life by any means. Like I said, I could get up and get it all done, but it was the brain fog. It was the lack of energy. And quite honestly, it was me living a divided life inside. It was kind of like one girl by day, another girl by night. And that cognitive dissonance, that, that mental tug of war inside, kind of left me feeling like misaligned, like I wasn't my pure, true self, my wholehearted self. And I knew that I was starting to kind of lean on that habit as a bit of a crutch. And again, it, it wasn't always because of bad or sad reasons. Sometimes it was just because that's the only way I had become able to socialize and feel just normal. Like I didn't want to be the odd woman out at a GNO or a book club. And so it was quite a departure for me to, uh, to really be able to look at this habit and, um, and see it as, as something that was really starting to, to have a stronghold in my life. And I think that was the biggest thing is I just didn't like the control it had over me. Because I could always say no. I could go for 30 days. I could go for months um, without a drink. So it was being in that gray area where I wasn't in a, um, a physical addiction. I could walk away. I didn't have to drink every day. I didn't have to ever drink at all to, to really feel normal. Um, but I think mentally and emotionally is where it kind of had its hook in me. It kind of had a claw in mm. me. And that is what didn't align. That yeah. is what didn't make sense to me. Because I didn't drink for so long of my adult years, I knew that I had more resilience and I had more joy than before I was drinking. Mm. And I noticed that the longer I, I was just getting this in my life, the less resilient I was feeling, the more anxious I was actually becoming. Mm. So what was your first step back then? a little over five years ago, when you decided to launch this? What was, what was the first thing that you did? Well, and I, I, I knew that if women could just know what I had just learned, it could change their life. It could totally empower them in a different way. So that was step one is I, I've just come through something that I'm like, wow, this is so awesome. I'm not broken, just my pattern's broken. How can I share about this pattern change, this mindset shift with more women. So I started an Instagram in March of 2018 um, with a simple Topo Chico bottle on my back patio and put some emails together, really curating the best of what I had found that had made the most difference in my life up to that point in time and just started inviting women to do what has now come to be known as the 21-Day Reset Challenge. And I needed, I needed a clear stop-start point for women to be able to take a break, to take a break um, without having to say forever, um, and again, without the labels. But it's just like with other things, you have to be able to tap the brakes and kind of get off the highway to be able to clearly see what it is you want to do. And so that was step one, was trying to get the word out that you could just take a break without having to wear a label or say forever. Mm. That's incredible. That is, I really love that. And I have been so surprised to see how, first of all, how your business has taken off, but also how this movement and this thought process has become so much more prevalent. When I open up Instagram and I'm, you know, on the discovery page or whatever, I cannot believe the amount of, of little squares I see of people who talk about being sober curious. I know, I know tons of friends who are doing it and it has made me think twice about pouring a glass of wine and whatever. I, I do not rely on alcohol at all. Um, I can take it or leave it. And I, you know, I don't, it's not a nightly ritual for me at all, but I do I can absolutely identify times that have been more difficult chapters in life mm -hmm. where I'm cooking dinner and I'm tired. I've been working all day. Yeah. I was probably rejected. <laughs> I was, you know, I was probably whatever just from work and life yeah. and all the things. 
and my kids are hanging on me and I'm trying to, you know, and I'm, it's a lot. It is a lot. Yeah. And, and I, I can absolutely recognize, and you know, it's so interesting because when you open a bottle of wine, this is for me, this mm-hmm. is totally just what happens in my life. When I open a glass of wine, Derek, my husband is like, take it or leave it. I mean, I, 85% of the time, he's like, nah, I'm good. I just want to diet Dr. Pepper, which is terrible. But, you know, that's what he would rather have. And so I open a, a bottle of wine and I pour one glass. Well, there's four glasses of wine in a bottle. So if I drink one glass, then for the subsequent nights, mm-hmm. I don't want to waste that bottle. And so I right. have a glass of wine. And then I have a glass of wine. And I can see myself actually very quickly falling into, so maybe I'll have one glass or two glasses that night. And then the next night I'm like, oh yeah, I need to finish that bottle of wine. Right. And it's not even, it's just me being resourceful. You it's know, already it's like open. Maybe, yeah, right. That's it's right. already open. I don't want to waste it. I don't <laughs> want it to go bad. And Derek doesn't want any. So I guess I better drink that before yeah, it you're turns. a finisher. Right. You're an achiever. You know, and so, but I can <laughs> absolutely identify, even though I am, mm-hmm. I'm really not dependent on alcohol, I can absolutely identify how quickly I could fall into that pattern because it's just a habit and it does relax you initially and it does, absolutely. but I do not like the way I feel either later that night or the next morning. I'm much foggier and, and I want to get into the, the science behind it as well. So talk to me because this is one of the things that fascinates me the most about it. And you and I were talking about how people cut things out all the time to reduce inflammation. And I'm on, I'm on a huge ingredients kick right now where I'm reading the ingredients of, of everything. And gluten and dairy are obviously two buzzwords that right. people that cause so much inflammation. And so people are cutting those out left and right. My twin sister has cut out gluten and dairy and I've seen a massive transformation in her. She's so pretty. It's so annoying. <laughs> She's the best. She's the best human on the planet. I love her. I love her. Uh, but she, I've seen this massive transformation in her just from cutting out kind of these in, inflammatory foods. Um, I did not realize. And when I really think about it, I'm like, duh. But I didn't realize the inflammatory effects. So talk to me about the science behind that and how alcohol affects our bodies in that way. Yes. Oh, I love to talk about mm. this. I will geek out on this all day. Tell me everything. It was super empowering to mm. me. Um, so first off, we know, um, I mean, again, big alcohol and advertisers are not going to lead off with this, um, <laughs> but we know that alcohol is a toxin. Mm. It is a toxin in our bodies. Um, and it is a known carcinogen. It, it is something that leads to over 15 different kinds of cancers at an increased rate. Um, so it's a toxic, it's a toxic carcinogen. Okay. I want to ask you really quickly because it's I, ethanol. Yes. Okay. So the carcinogen, is that based on drinking a certain amount? Is that based on, is it, you know, tell, tell me more about that. Yeah. Any amount of alcohol, the, um, They've come out now and said, okay, really, all, all the recent studies have shown, and I can't even quote one right now because they're all really aligned on mm-hmm. this, that there's actually no healthy amount of alcohol. Mm. They've changed their tune a little bit. They used to kind of sing the praises of uh, Reservatrol, which is what's found in red wine uh-huh. with the grapes. Yeah. Okay. Well, now they've really come, they've, they've circled back around and uh-huh. said, well, actually, the amount of wine you would have to drink to get that benefit the the um uh what's the word i'm looking for <laughs> the, like the uh, the opposite side like the detrimental effect thank you the detrimental yeah. effect of the alcohol right. itself would far outweigh any benefit mm-hmm. of the reservatrol which you can actually go buy by itself now <laughs> i mean really just swallow a pill of reservatrol yeah. yeah so this whole i need to drink my red wine uh-huh. throughout the day so so there, there's that. And then another thing too, anytime you drink alcohol, whether that's one glass or, or more, mm-hmm. the bottle, um, your body is immediately trying to rid itself of the alcohol. Your fat burning stops. Your metabolism slows down. If you just had a big steak dinner and two glasses of red cab, your body's going to go to burn through and get rid of the cab first. 
not the meal. So if you're trying to lose weight or keep your weight down, the extra calories in alcohol, which really turns to sugar in our body, as well as slows down our metabolism because everything everything stops to work on that because that builds up in our liver and our bodies can't do that. And that's when you see people that drink too quickly, that drink in excess or drink too fast. Um, that's when our body kicks in and says, uh-uh, nope, we can't do that. And that's why you'll see people literally get sick from drinking because your body can't produce enough of the, of the enzyme to break down the alcohol. What causes the headache? Uh, the headache is due to several reasons. First off, alcohol is a diuretic. We know it's dehydrating. In fact, it's dehydrating to every cell in your body, not just your skin, not just your brain, but actually every cell in your body is affected by alcohol because it crosses the blood um, barrier. So it gets in every part of your body. Wow. So, um, yeah, and even one drink can affect your sleep because it totally messes with your circadian rhythm because there's something, I'm going to get real sciencey on you now. So we know that when you drink, you're getting that dopamine hit, Mm -hmm. right? It's like, wow, we all know what I'm talking about. If you've ever had any alcohol, it's that buzz. It's that euphoria. It's that first 20 minutes. It feels so awesome. But everything that goes up must come down. There's something called homeostasis, which our body wants to stay in balance. So when we we enjoy at the moment that artificial stimulation, it's really artificial because it's really a depressant. Alcohol is a depressant, not a stimulant. So it comes in feeling like, yay. But then our body's like, yeah, no, we can't stay up that high. That's why one drink doesn't last the whole night. You actually drop lower than when you started drinking before, which causes you a lot of times to want another drink just to get back up to base, just to get back up to baseline. So there's a chemical called dynorphin that our body produces, which is kind of like the evil cousin to, um, to euphoria and feeling good. It actually produces anxiety. So when you wake up at 3 a.m. with what I call the 3 a.m. wake-up call, and if anybody out there who's had any um, habit with drinking knows that, yeah, the 3 a.m. wake-up call is when you wake up with maybe a little bit of a, of a racing heart, a feeling of, of dread. You're wide awake and you're regretting already the fact that you drink it all. And now you've got that in the middle of the night while you're laying there in the dark thinking about all that you must do the next day. And that produces anxiety as well. So that's why we wake up, I think, oftentimes with such good intentions. And then by three o'clock, that's starting to wane because also the physical cravings are starting to ramp up again because your body says, wait a minute. That felt good for a minute. And so the cravings start again. And if you don't have the right tools and the right mindset tools and your body's been practicing having that, that dopamine rush in the evenings, remember dopamine is tied to our survival. It's tied to that part of our brain that is not just the reward, but it's survival. So we don't need wine. We don't need our wine or alcohol to survive, but our brain doesn't necessarily know that. And so it's very easy to fall back into that wine o'clock trap, which again, with the marketing and messaging, is so glamorized and so encouraged that it really does a number. You know, the the dopamine part hits my radar on so many levels because I have younger children and I read these studies all the time about tablets and yeah. about the dopamine hits that children mm-hmm. now receive at such a young age and massive, massive, massive amounts of dopamine. And then they become reliant on it and they actually create, you know, they become addicted yep. to technology, which all of this makes complete sense because it's the absolute parallel, which is why people would become addicted to, to alcohol for that same reason. I mean, I'm sure there's multiple reasons why, but wow. Totally. That is and that's And that's true for, for humans. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's been a misconception for a long time that alcohol really only affects certain people. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I'm here to say as a later in life drinker and someone who really didn't have a cautionary tale around me, um, I just kind of, kind of went right into it pretty naive and thought, oh, I could never 
let this control me. And fortunately, I was able to take an early exit off the elevator, off the highway that's going one direction. The elevator's kind of only going down. People don't tend to drink less and less. Mm. They tend to drink more and more over time. And that's actually true. There's really kind of um, a new study that just came out that said um, it's uh, Gen X, that's me, and boomers. Uh-huh. I always have to get my gens right. Gen, when you said um, Jen, I would thought, I mean, your name is Jen. Oh, so right I was on. like, Gen X? Is this right. an Instagram handle? Like, what is right, it? No. Got it. Gen X. Got it. <laughs> Generation X. I'm with right. you. Gen X, yes. right? And boomers are women mm-hmm. are actually, for the first time in history, drinking more alcohol as we age, not less. Hmm. Um, millennials, Gen Z, they're looking and going, oh, no, I don't think so. They're they're becoming a little bit more aware, I think, of the of just the dangers of alcohol and socially. There's just they're they're interacting different. But for the first time, um, women who are kind of my age, this fifty and up, are an age bracket where they're drinking more into their later years, and it's causing again a ton of of health problems. Mm-hmm. And um, there was a huge spike. I'm going to read this stat. There was a huge spike. This was just really alarming to me to read. Um, Alcohol-related deaths spiked in women aged 35 to 44, up 42% in the year 2019 to 2020. I mean, that's a real health crisis. Up 42%? Up 42%. Um, That is shocking. I think most people don't know that. I would like to see the statistics during covid Unbelievable. When people were stuck inside. Yep. And I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with people who had to really kind of reevaluate their relationship with alcohol after COVID because they had just gotten into that habit of, well, we're stuck at home. Let's That's let's have right. a drink. Let's quarantinis. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Get that going on Zoom. Yeah. And you're not driving anywhere. You're not going to see anybody. So it it was a huge problem. In fact, a lot of the women I've worked with in SoberSys really didn't have a problem with alcohol that they were aware of. Maybe it was building, but that's the thing with alcohol. If you don't have a mindful relationship with Mm -hmm. it and you're living on autopilot, which I'm all about mindfulness, sober mindedness. Mm. Um, So much of what I do in SoberSys is less about sobriety and abstinence. It's more about mindfulness and empowerment. And so- I love that so much because I I know I was going to ask you that question. I don't want somebody to listen to you and think, oh my gosh, this means I can never have another drink a single day in my life. Right. So talk to me about the the realistic applications for people who say, I want to live the rest of my life healthy, but I don't want to necessarily just, you know, cut off my arm here and just say that I can never have another drink. How should they proceed? Absolutely. And I think Again, starting with baby steps of just even taking a break. Sometimes we don't know how we feel without something until it's gone. You were talking earlier about um, dairy and gluten. It's almost like you didn't know how you were feeling with those things in your system until you took them out oh, of your system. girl, dairy was a complete, <laughs> cheese was like a complete food group for yeah. me. Yes. I'm a queso fan. Oh, boy. So that would be yeah. tough. Well, I mean, we're in Texas, so queso is absolutely, it's like a full course meal. So We are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I don't know if I could do without the queso. Actually, I know I, I can because yeah. I could apply my own tools yes. that I've used with alcohol <laughs> to queso. But yes. I, I see them as actually some, similar, some similarities there. But um, I would say the first thing is just go in open-minded. Mm. So much of this sober, curious movement is about exactly that, being curious not trying to quit, not trying to do this hard stop, Mm. but more just what if you went into taking a break from drinking? Um, You know, a lot of people do things like dry January or sober October, or you know, there's all the things. Um, And that's oftentimes the catalyst to getting the feedback that you need, that you really do feel better without it. And I think when you start to feel better, you're more motivated to follow that momentum. But if you start with, okay, hard line, I'm never drinking again. That's a little much to begin with, especially for a gray area drinker. Right. Someone who's not hit a big rock bottom. Right. Um, that was me. That was my life. I didn't have an external thing happen. In fact, when I actually decided to take a break from drinking in the spring of 2017, 
I didn't know that I was going to make it stick as a lifestyle. Mm. I really did not. It was it was my goal to get a, a handle on it, to feel more in control. But the more I took a break and the more I learned about alcohol, I realized I was trying to moderate something that really didn't want to be moderated in my life. It was something that actually caused a thirst for itself. So for me, the mental bandwidth, I wanted it more to do other things. Mm. I wanted my mental bandwidth back to not manage my relationship with alcohol. I wanted to take that bandwidth and use it for something else. Yeah. I love that so much. So what did your 21 day challenge on this Instagram, which, you know, before it, before it became that officially. So what did it become officially? And if somebody says, Hey, I, I kind of want to try that. What does that look like now? Yeah. Is it is it a course? Do they get an email? What does that look like? Yeah. So right now, the 21-Day Reset Challenge kind of has three components. So there's three ways that we connect as a group. So for me, as the guide and the coach, I do send a series of emails out. In fact, for 21 days, there's a new topic in your inbox every day, something new to think about, a new way to look at alcohol, um, very educational. Then we also have something called the Sobersys Network, which is similar to a Facebook group, but I'm going to bust out and say way better. (laughs) It's more of a destination location. So you're not just scrolling social media and hearing all the craziness and mayhem of our world and trying to work on this one area of your life. Um, It's actually a place where you find a lot of uh, safety and privacy to be able to talk with other women who, once you're in the group, it's like, hey, We're all the same here. We just want to wrestle with this out loud. Where can we do that where we don't have to look over our shoulder and worry that a neighbor or a boss may misunderstand what we're doing? And so we've got the Sober Sis Network, which is highly active. It's got almost 15,000 women from all over the world jumping in there daily, sharing highs and lows, um, even ideas for wine o'clock. And I'm doing uh, trainings in there as well. And then we use something in our group called Marco Polo. Oh, yeah. You know, it is like the secret sauce of, yes. of Sober Sis is our ability to connect. And um, there's a great TED Talk out there about how connection is the antidote to addiction. And so if you're connecting, you're going to get that empathy. If you're not connecting, you're going to get isolation. And it's isolation that really leads to a lot of our behaviors that we want to change and then don't know how. So if you're staying connected... It's, it's really shown to have the highest rate of change with any behavior change is connection with other people who are doing that too. Mm. And so we have these small Marco Polo groups. So even though hundreds of women are signing up every month to do the 21-Day Reset Challenge, we have groups of, you know, sometimes 20 people from all over the world that start as strangers and end up really feeling like sisters at the end. Oh. So is there a group Marco Polo option? Marco Polo is, is a great app for anybody who doesn't know where it's like, it's like chatting face to face. You know, you just send a video back and forth yeah, to it's each like other. a video walkie talkie. Yes. That's what I tell that's people. That's so perfect. Yeah. So there's Vo- Voxer, which is like a walkie talkie for real kind of yeah. on your phone. And then there's Marco Polo, which I love doing with my sisters and whatever, so because cool. if I'm feeling silly or my kids are being funny or whatever, I can record that little video and send yeah, it to them yeah. without taking up all the space on my phone. I love that app. Yes. Yeah. And again, it's totally optional. Yeah. You know, a lot of women are like, oh, I don't know about getting on video yeah. with anybody. Right. Much less people I don't know. So some women will listen. Yeah. And then on day 10, they're like, okay, I'm going to yeah. bust out and introduce myself. And other women just jump in from the get-go. Mm-hmm. But um, I think even just being a part of the network and yeah. seeing and hearing other people's stories I think the main thing is just knowing that you're not alone. Yes. And that, I mean, I had no idea how many other women felt the same way that I did. I thought I was kind of like, oh, I just couldn't get it together. Yeah. That I just needed to try harder. Or why was this one thing more different for me than workouts and other things? But um, to date, there's been over 200,000 women who have downloaded the free guide that I offer. So that's just at SoberSys.com. So that's almost a quarter of a million women. And that's just a drop in the bucket. That's just a small, small idea of how many women are out there curious about how their relationship with alcohol can improve and get better. Wow. So 
on the opposite side, like let's say that you have a friend that is deciding to jump in and be sober curious and do the 21 day reset and all of that. As a friend on the other side, who, you know, what would you recommend that friend do to be the most supportive? What is, if you're going to go out to dinner together, is it, should you not order a glass of wine? What is the best way to support somebody in your life that is going to do that? That's a great question. And I think most people that drink um, have spouses or friends who drink. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's totally normal. And so, you know, I think the thing for me when I first stopped drinking was I didn't want anybody to treat me different, like kind of awkward. So I really liked it when people were themselves, Mm -hmm. whatever that may be. If they're going to already order a glass of wine, please do. Mm -hmm. In fact, please do, because Mm -hmm. it makes me feel weird if you don't for me. (laughs) Um, Just like I'm not going to order a glass of wine for you. Right. Because I do think there's also that, that back and forth where sometimes people drink for other people. Right. Just like some people, and again, I think I think it comes from a good place, and you've got to know your friend. And if you know that that's going to cause them to stumble or trip up, then that's that's mindful. But I think I think most people, and I can only speak for myself, but I think most people that are taking a break from alcohol want it to be like business as usual around them and give them the freedom to make that change without the focus being on them. Yeah. So. Um, And I do think it's important that people become more inclusionary when hosting dinner parties, when, um, when out and about, that's a big part of what I do is trying to help people understand that we have options. Some people just want to drink less versus not at all. So being able to just even go up to a bar, a bartender and get a, a mocktail, or I like to say a zero proof cocktail, Mm -hmm. um, is really awesome. So I think encouraging the fact that there are options instead of you're either a drinker or you're not, you either get a really pretty glass with a fancy garnish or wonk, wonk, you're at the kid's table. You know, I think, I think it's trying to bridge that gap where there are sophisticated adult beverages that are festive and fun that just minus the alcohol. Yeah. And so I think I think being able to find places that offer that need to be rewarded. Mm. And so I really want to support not only small businesses that are coming up with these amazing booze-free options. Um, that industry has grown over 100%, 113% actually in the last year. Oh. So more and more options are becoming available where you can go to a nice restaurant um, and see that on the menu. And so I think I think if you're a friend out there, just holding space for people to have their own discovery. Yeah. Yeah. No, and that makes total sense that if I was going to if I was going to start something new, the biggest embarrassment for me would be like if everybody around me was acting weird. Right. I'd be like, "Okay, now I'm self-conscious. Like, let me just do my thing." Like if you're just, not eating gluten and right. everyone around you said no to the bread basket, right. but you know they want the bread basket. Right. Then you kind of feel like, oh man, just yeah, they're doing this for eat me. Your and bread. I I've got yes. my own lane. Yes, you know. And yeah. again, I, I think you've got to know your friends. And if if you feel like asking them ahead of time is is good, then go for it. But for me, it made me feel more self conscious. I yeah. kind of liked it when people just did their own thing and let me do mine. Totally, because I don't sense. judge people for drinking. Just like I don't want to be judged for not drinking. Right. Okay. So the twenty one day reset. You started that, but you did not stop there. So what happened next? What was the next step? Yeah, so it was perfect timing. At the end of 2019, right before the crazy year of 2020, um, at that point, I'd had hundreds of women go through the 21-day reset challenge and come out on the other side going, okay, Jen, what's next? Now what do we do? We've got a little bit of momentum. We like our lives without the wine o'clock habit, but how do we maintain? How do we sustain this lifestyle? And so um, I kind of put myself in my own quarantine from the end of 2019 through the first couple of months of 2020. I wrote what is now called the AFL, Alcohol-Free Lifestyle Course. And I launched it January of 2020 while I was writing it. 
and finished March of 2020 writing it right when everything started crashing down in our world. But the course was in place. And it was so wonderful to have a place where women could take this fresh momentum. So 21 days is really just enough to break or change a habit. It is not enough time to create a new lifestyle. Sure. And so the lifestyle course is exactly that. It's a 10-week online course where I break down the 10 pillars of alcohol-free living. Um, really, quite honestly, which has very little to do with alcohol itself and more to do with the coping tools that you need to feel the feels, handle the obstacles, create a good self-care practice, and really have healthy boundaries. And so that's what we talk about in the Alcohol-Free Lifestyle course. So there's the 21-Day Reset, the Alcohol-Free Lifestyle course, and what else? Because now you have a team of people. You have employees. Like, it's not just you and Craig. Nope. So talk to me about... All of uh, yeah. all of that. So what else? What else do you have? Yeah. So after about a year or so of AFL, same thing. Women coming out of AFL. Jen, that was awesome. What do you have next? And that's what I've learned in business is that people want to keep working with you, buying from you, unless you don't have something to offer or, you know, you're, you're not providing them value. And so if you're providing someone value and you have a constant offer, they're going to keep going and growing with you. And so that's what I needed. I needed another place for women who were coming out of the course to grow. So I do have a third step in SoberSys that um, actually is quite special to me because the program is named after my maiden name, which is Quest, which fits so well because that's what this is. It's a quest. It's an expedition. It's like a journey into becoming the very best version of yourself. And then we're getting further and further away from really talking about the substance of alcohol and more about kind of how to take the show on the road. How do you live life um, in a way that you feel really, really present? And that is where I think women are taking the pillars that they've learned, the basics that they've learned in the reset. And now we've formed a subscription-based model where women can be in this monthly subscription-based community group where there are multiple Zoom calls throughout the month. Um, I have monthly content modules. So instead of doing a week per pillar in the Alcohol-Free Lifestyle course, I spend a whole month going through things like boundaries, gratitude, um, with fresh content. So there's always something to kind of munch on for your brain because I think if we keep growing, um, then we're going to keep going. And if you ever stop growing, it's easy to get complacent and kind of stagnant. Oh, yeah. So And fall back into old habits. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and again, in that gray area drinking zone, it's so easy to do because there's not that external happening where you were forced to quit because of something horrible that happened. It's it's like you're choosing to step away from something before it it really had those negative consequences. Maybe they were internal, but maybe no one even knew about them. Mm. So... Um, yeah, between the 21-Day Reset Challenge, the AFL Lifestyle Course, and now the Quest, there really is a path that's already now been made. So if women really do want to live, really, what's a counterculture lifestyle, there's a way to do that where you don't feel like you're in such the minority. You actually feel like you're a part of a movement. It's something mm-hmm. that's gaining traction. And you're right, Rachel. I mean, it, this whole thing started off as just really a ministry, kind of a kind of just an overflow of my heart and a passion project and quickly needed to shift into a business in order for it to be scalable and sustainable. So now Sober Sis, we have a small but mighty team of uh, five people who work with me full time, as well as multiple um, agencies that we've hired, ad firms that run our ads. And um, actually, this was this was just kind of news to some women that I just spoke with last weekend. People might think, oh, Jen's just raking it in with these big numbers. And um, I think what most people don't realize is the cost of getting the message out there is so high. It's, it's actually a lot of the uh, Mark Zuckerberg out there getting those ad dollars, and we're pouring it right back into things like the 21-Day Reset. So that's actually um, an SLO for us. That's that's a lost leader for us where we're not even making money on women taking a break from alcohol. It's actually something that 
I think it's priceless because each woman that steps in the ranks of sober sis, that's six to 700 women a month. Um, you know, that's a break-even endeavor for us as a business. So we're definitely not doing it for the money. We're definitely doing it because it makes a difference in people's lives. And I've seen lives restored, redeemed. I've seen um, legacies totally changed. And I'm literally watching before my very eyes generational uh, trajectory being changed where people are breaking um, patterns that have been in their family line for years and saying, it stops with me. I want to be a different mom. I want to be a different grandmother. Um, I work with a lot of grandmas who want to be that sober-minded grandmother with their grandkids. And maybe they kind of drank in their kids' years, but really want a different chance. That is just incredible. Yeah. I mean, your, your heart to serve. And I think about if you had kept all this inside, I think a yeah. lot of people think, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through this thing. I'm going to deal with whatever. And I'm just not going to necessarily share about it. Maybe just tell some close friends or whatever. Yeah. But they are robbing the rest of the world from this, you know, I mean, from, from their message and their unique perspective. And so I'm so grateful that you had the selflessness and the grit and the work ethic and everything else to put this together and just the heart to serve and, and reach other people and change their lives. It's incredible, incredible. You know, I think about hundreds of people that you're reaching just doing the reset and one person that does it. You know, I went to lunch yesterday with seven girlfriends. There was a group of us and okay. it was a, a friend's birthday lunch. And we were all giving each other recommendations. We were all giving each other, talking about yeah. like what, Oh, what did you, what did you do? Where'd you get that sweater? Where did you, you know, it's like, you're always giving each other recommendations. So I think about the 600 people a month that are doing the reset or whatever, six to 700. And if each of them just tell one friend and, you know, and the, the impact, the far reaching impact that that can make in people's lives. It's truly incredible. That is a massive ripple effect. Yeah. And I love that you said that. It does take bravery and vulnerability to put yourself out there. So if somebody says, okay, I want to do this. I want to try this. Um, what would you say is their best plan of, of attack? Kind of, And I'm sure that you go through this in the 21-day reset. But if they say, okay, I'm going to go out with girlfriends, I'm going to go out, you know, we're going to go to lunch and they're going to get a bottle of rosé or, mm-hmm. you know, all those things. I'm going to go out to dinner with my husband and he's going to definitely have a cocktail or all of the different situations that you would typically just join in, you totally. know, and, and even if it is the gray area and somebody's not super dependent, but they're curious about this lifestyle for whatever reason, right? Whether it's health, wellness, reducing inflammation, whether it is just wanting to be free of that, not have the anxiety, all of the things. What is somebody's best plan of attack if they're going to a Thanksgiving party and they say, I don't want to drink, but when I get there, I'm going to feel pressured to drink. Right. How do they go into that? Oh, I love that for question. success. Such a good question. Um, well, first off, and, and I really do talk about this a lot in the reset, but the first off is you've got to pre-decide. You cannot get into these situations and play it by ear because a maybe usually means yes. Right. right? Absolutely. That's just the truth. Right. So you've got to be pre-decided way before you get there. You can't show up at a tailgate. You can't show up at a, at a birthday party. You've just got to know what your boundaries are, what your goals are and, and go in. I also think the key is connection having someone else rooting for you kind of on your side, kind of behind the scenes that you can text or call and be like, whoa, I did it. Mm. That's amazing. And so I think pre-deciding and then also pre-planning, you know, you can't take something out of your life and just leave a void. You have to oftentimes put something else instead. So if that's you being proactive and doing a BYOB to somewhere where you know um, you're going to a dinner party, I work with a ton of companies that have awesome alternatives that are really pretty and classy and 
won't make you feel like you're bringing in, you know, some kind of grape juice or some kind of, you know, yeah. <laughs> sparkling sugar drink. Um, you can bring in something and just create an option and you'll be surprised that there'll be someone else in the room that's so glad you did mm. because maybe they're wanting to cut down or take a break that night too. So I think it's it's pre-deciding, having connection, and and then pre-planning. What is it you're going to do? And what is it you're going to say? I think that's another big thing is to almost like be ready. We know that when you walk in a restaurant, the waiter or waitress is going to offer you an alcoholic beverage. That's what they do. That's what they're trained to do. That's, that's where a lot of the money is in the restaurant business. And so when you know that, or if you know you're going to a girl's um, birthday brunch and you know mimosas are flowing, what is your response? And I think, I think having that pre-decided is also important. So when I'm out and about, which I am a lot, I'm a very social person, and being a non-drinker in an alcohol-centric society can be a real challenge unless you frame your own narrative. This is your story. You write your story. So when I walk in a room and someone asks me, can I get you a drink? I just beam and smile and say, yes, I would love to start with some water right now. I've been running around all day. Mm. And so I don't walk in Debbie Downer, wonk, wonk, all mm. gloom and doom. And no, I can't drink alcohol. <laughs> you know, it's like, no, yeah. I'd, I'd love some water. Or right. sure, what do you have that's alcohol free? And you just kind of own it with a smile on your face. And you may be dying inside if that's your first time or two to practice saying that. But it is so empowering when you own your choice and realize it is a choice. And, and I love doing that. Oh, man. Everything but it's you taken just practice. Said, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Everything you just said just resonates so deeply in my heart because I have a passion for helping women get their power back. Yes. Not feeling dependent on, and this is across the board, Yep, not feeling dependent upon something for financial security, not being reliant or dependent upon anything. Um, and really, I, this is not a feminist movement at all. This is just, I love to help women identify their uniqueness and their own power and not feel like they're a victim or that they are at somebody else's you know, they're basically at the disposal and mercy of somebody else. Mm -hmm. And this feeds right into that. Because if you are depending upon a substance to get you through a night, to get you through dinner and bath time and bedtime, first of all, you're missing out on incredible memories and conversations because you're dulling your senses, you know, and you're never going to remember them the same. Or if you're just relying on that to get you through a social interaction, right? you are giving something else the power. And so I love when people say, I want to take the power back so that I can use all of me to serve other people. You oh, know? yeah. And this is just, it, it blows my mind. And I, 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 I just love what you're doing so much. Uh, Brendan Burchard uh, talks about walking into a room because I do think that one of the reasons that people fall into this is because they walk into a room and there's insecurities and there's fear and there's, oh my gosh, what are, is my outfit okay? What am I going to say? Is there going to be awkward silence? And the alcohol really does prime the pump and makes you feel way more relaxed in that, right? So I could see how that would be a difficult situation. And Brendan Burchard is so great because he always talks about how when he walks into a room, he's never insecure ever. He walks into a room with the intent to learn something from as many people as he can in that room. Mm -hmm. And so I'll tell you what that does. Not only can you walk in confidently not drinking, if that's what you choose to do, but it takes the focus off of yourself and it puts the focus on other people in the room and learning something about them, something about their success, something about, right? Something about what they do. And when you take the focus off yourself, the insecurity goes away, the the self-consciousness goes away, the awkward silence goes away because we know people love to talk about themselves. And so all you have to do is ask them a question and do not worry. There will be no awkward (laughs) silence. They will keep going, you know? And so it is the easiest, simplest little trick 
to walk into a room and not worry about any of those things that you think are going to happen in your mind. And it's, you're right. It's pre-deciding. I'm not going to drink and I'm going to learn from somebody else so that I don't, I don't think everybody's looking at me. I'm actually focusing on other people because here's the truth. Nobody cares. Nobody, everybody's thinking about themselves. Everybody is thinking about themselves. They care what's in their glass, not what's in yours. That's exactly right. Yeah. John Maxwell said, you know how uh, I know that we're all selfish. I want you to to have a group picture taken and then look at the group picture. (laughs) Who do you look at first? Oh, that's just the truth. always yourself, right? And so he's like, we're innately selfish people. We zoom in. I'm like, oh, everybody else looks fine. Are my eyes open? Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Lisa looks like, yeah, she looks like mutated. Oh, yeah, it's no big deal. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, Lisa, this is the best picture you've ever taken because I look amazing in it. You know, it's so it really is just innately people are self-centered and it's not even I'm I'm joking just human you know? nature. It's like, yeah. yes. but it really is human nature so you can <laughs> walk into it and you can laugh to yourself and think I have to do this to myself all the time where I'm like Rachel nobody is thinking about you they are thinking about themselves they're thinking how does what she's saying even yes. apply to me right now yes yeah. exactly yeah. so don't worry about other people thinking about you and you can <laughs> stop thinking about yourself like that's what I'm like Rachel stop thinking about yourself I have to get out of my own head right so much of the time you know and so anyway but uh, okay Jen two things one where can people find you yes so um, I, like you said, I am really active on Instagram. So you can find me there at sober sis, one word. And then I also have that free guide. So I would really recommend if you're just hearing me right now for the first time and you just kind of want to check out this five strategies to help you with wine o'clock tonight, like practical tools to take a break this weekend or go to that wedding and maybe not drink at that wedding because maybe in the past that hadn't gone well mm-hmm. for you. Me and weddings, there's there's a history oh, there. Yeah. <laughs> what is, what's up with that? Um, but go to SoberSys.com. And that's where any any woman I recommend would uh, can download that free guide. And then from there, you can get on my email list. And I would just love to, to bring you value and encouragement. And um, from there, you'll have an opportunity to find the 21 Day Reset Challenge and beyond. Okay, so also we are wrapping up this year. This year is, we are in the sunset of this year right now. And so with January, with the first comes New Year's resolutions and comes all sorts of new things, right? New beginnings, an opportunity to start fresh, clean slate. So you do something with dry January, right? So talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, dry January. It's like the Super Bowl yeah. of sober-minded living. That's what I always tell people. It's like the sober-minded Olympics yes. um, where a lot, I mean, a lot of people are doing dry January because they're really trying to recover from October, November, and December. It's like this three-month drinking season yeah. that we call the holidays. And a lot of people, for a variety of reasons, are really most sober, curious, and ready to do a health challenge, um, a mindset challenge. And so definitely I see my biggest numbers join us for the first of the year, which is a great way to kick off what may end up being the best year of your life, but you won't know until you cross over that fear threshold and get to the other side. But if you knew that there were tons of women on the other side that would get you type one, understand, and be able to support you, would you do it? And so I really do want to make a special invitation for doing dry January with our group. And if you go to SoberSys.com forward slash 21 day challenge, you can join us for dry January and um, and then beyond. Because once you're in SoberSys, you're always in SoberSys. That network keeps going even after the 21 days. So um, a lot of women just find, yeah, they'll do the 21 day reset. They may go back to moderating. Um, just drinking occasionally, and it could be months down the road that they realize, nope, I'm right back where I was, and then maybe they're ready to take the next step. So I think it's just getting started. I think that's what it is. It's just getting started and knowing where to do that. You know, the one thing I will say that I want people to truly understand, they don't know you personally. I do. And so I want you to take it from me. I know Jen personally, and I have for a very, very long time. In this community, you will find no judgment. You will find no shame. You will find not a single thing getting shoved down your throat 
you will find nothing except for a supportive community that is going to push you and encourage you to be your best self. And that is what I am all about. And really, it is about Jen taking her circumstances and serving you because she understands what you're feeling because she was there, you know? And so I would highly encourage you to go check it out if this hits your radar, because uh, there's not uh, there's there's not another community that I know of that I can speak personally about that will make you be so feel so included and supported because I know the founder. And so I know, <laughs> I, I know that that's what it is. So Jen, thank you so much. I love you. Thank you so much for being here today. And I'm just so happy for you and so grateful for the, the positive message that you're getting out to the world. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me and you're doing great things as well. And I'm so proud of you and all of your business success and just success, again, becoming the best version of yourself and showing up for the world in that way. It's awesome. Well, thanks for being here. And uh, if you have any questions, there's going to be lots of comments in the in the show notes. Please share this with anybody that you think would would appreciate this, that, that this would hit their radar. Uh, please don't hesitate to send this their way. Thank you. If this episode resonated with you today, please share it with at least two people you think would love it too. Keep up with the show at The Rachel Roth Show on Instagram and TikTok and keep up with me at Rachel underscore R underscore Roth on Instagram and TikTok. Don't forget to rate and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I know it sounds silly, but it really does make a huge difference and it allows this content to get in front of more people. I can't wait to see you again.